0: Steve, happy Monday. Were you uh, a superhero for your wife this Mother's Day?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, of course. I yeah, kind it of. was. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was actually my uh my son turned two on Saturday. So that was kind of the big event of the weekend, frankly. We had a big, big uh family party over here and also some friends and barbecued up some burgers and brats and uh yeah, he was um that yeah, was just fun. Fun watching him Grow up, and he's two now. And then just having the family over was good times. So then Sunday was kind of a. uh, I think my wife went and did brunch with her mom, and then we just kind of hung out. Went for a went for a hike in the afternoon with everybody, and just pretty low key. Heck yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I asked my wife what she wanted for Mother's Day. She's like impossible to shop for. My wife and she just I don't know. She does doesn't care about a lot of stuff, and she's like, yeah, just want a nap. Like just a nap. Like, Alright, I can do it. Yeah, easy she enough. Once a nap and she didn't want to cook at all. So i I've made more meals this weekend, like over the whole weekend than I have in a month. But you know, grilling's easy, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. So all right. Diving into listener questions, uh, you know, well before we do that, number one, I don't want to forget to mention we are doing a giveaway this May, so as this show is released in May of twenty one essentially just kind of asking for feedback from you guys whether that's show ideas topic ideas questions you want us to discuss that's great send those to us via email to podcast at extra and you'd be entered to win we will also from anything you can do on like a review standpoint so um if you can review the podcast on like itunes the apple podcast app that's one of the main places where there are reviews and that really helps things tremendously and then Um, you can also just share the show on social tag us that type of thing so do any of the above um, and we're going to give away a $250 exo mountain gear gift card on top of that what i'll probably do is just pick you know those different formats of like emailing in leaving a review and sharing on social Um, in addition to the $250 gift card i'll pick one of each of those and send you guys like a hunt backcountry podcast shirt or something like that so um, yeah this month may of 21 if you want to do any of the above just to kind of help us with the show much appreciated. Uh, and I will say thus far the feedback has been great. Um, been getting a lot of emails, questions, topics, things like that a lot of I, a lot of which I've tried to get back to haven't yet uh, on everything. So if you've sent us an email, haven't heard back you will soon. Uh, but yeah keep it coming. we love the ideas there's been some some great things not only for Monday minute episodes that will, chat through but honestly some topics for full-length episodes that it's like oh that's a great idea let's do that so we really appreciate it it's always good to know what you guys want to hear um, so that we can make sure we're covering content you're interested in but last week we talked a fair amount about both sites steve uh, and we had a few different kind of follow-ups to that conversation so i wanted to touch on those a little bit one of the things we didn't touch when we were talking about movable sights, um, and again, in that episode last week, we kind of talked about you can choose a top pin or you can choose a bottom pin as your mover, essentially. And then you have this indicator with your sight tape that says, as I dial my sight, my top pin or my bottom pin is 80 yards or 63 yards or what have you. And we talked about the pros and cons of choosing a top versus a bottom pin as an example one of the things we didn't talk about uh and i think you know you and i are both aware of this but just we don't use it was there are sites now that have multiple indicators so instead of choosing between say your top pin and your bottom pin or your middle pin you can actually have multiple indicators so that as you're dialing your site is in one position And you can clearly see my top pin is now at 33 yards, and my bottom pin, because there's a second indicator on my sight tape, is at 68 yards. For example, just throwing out random numbers with no math. So that is an option. It used to be something that guys would kind of essentially customize and do their own version of, but now there's multiple sites that have that. I know Steve... Uh, Spot Hog, I think, was the first one that did it. And I think just in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, Black Gold added that as an option as well. Um, yeah, do you remember seeing? I know, you know, these days Rob's doing more of SNS side there, but right, you guys yeah. still both Black Gold and Spot Hog with SNS. I think that's, was that the yeah. right order?
1: <laughs> yeah, frankly, I've been too busy on other stuff to really remember exactly. But yeah, as far as I remember, um, Spot Hog came out with that first and then Black Gold did it second. It's just a cool it really adds no weight to the site. Um, and for guys looking for that feature, yeah, you get that. Essentially, you're tying, you know, The I think where a lot of people get confused is is that indicator pin, right? Just even if it's just one of them, like how that works with everything, especially with the slider site. Um, so really, it's like I'm, I would explain to people with the black gold um, and same thing with SpotHog is, you know, you once you dial in, if you've got a multi-pin site, you just completely treat it like a standard three pin or five pin site you you just disregard the dialing portion of it right so you cite in from let's just say it's a three pin so 20 30 40 um so once everything's dialed in you've got that indicator um uh, it's a little you know it's a little metal wire basically that is going to tell you um you know what Gosh, it gives you a reference. It's just a reference point. It's right? a reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a reference. Uh, and then so then you simply just need to match up the sight tape that that goes uh, with your arrow speed um, with uh, the tra- trajectory of your arrow. Um, and then when you go to stick that sight tape on, you just stick it on wherever that is. So you just take the 40 yard mark on your sight tape and leave you've got that indicator that's kind of fixed to the site and then you simply stick on your sight tape right there so that the indicator and the 40 yard mark line up well now you just with the double indicator there's basically two indicators on there and so you still line up that 40 uh where it's at but it should line up with your 30 pin or your 20 pin and then that way as you're dialing you can always go back and reference like okay i'm I dialed, uh, I was at 40, I dialed the site down to 57. Well, that indicator, the second indicator pin is going to say your second pin now is at, you know, 33, 35, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just gives you a, once you've dialed, gives you a little bit more flexibility to me, um, to be out there in the field and you, you know, you got an elk coming in and without having to dial, you could quickly reference what your second pin is at and make a shot. Um, i think it's there's value there in that feature um it's not uh it's not enough to like change my decisions on a site you know what mm-hmm. i mean um it's just an extra feature which almost as we're trying to explain it on the podcast you can you can understand how it kind of sounds kind of complicated it's hard to describe so yeah um, yeah
0: yeah for me in a hunting scenario I don't want any part of it and that's the reason i kind of almost purposely neglected it last week cuz I felt like the conversation was confusing enough I didn't want to add another variable in it and I just don't use it. I to me there'd be a main benefit if I was a guy who uh, and we touched on this last week but like one of the benefits of using your top pin as your mover is being able to dial precise yardages. So even if you had like say, you know, a 5 pin sight and you had 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you have a pin for each of those but now you want to shoot at 46 instead of holding gaps if your top pin is your mover you can dial the 46 right and so if you take that same approach and you said well now i have dual indicators and i'm just putting this like in in my terms i would use the bottom indicator so the bottom pin becomes my if you want to hunting pin or long range pin and then a top pin becomes like a fine-tuned target pin. And so if I shot a lot of 3d and hunted all with the same bow and I wanted to be able to dial to exactly 33, but then practice at 87, for example, that's a great scenario for a dual indicator site. I just don't have that need. And to me, it's adding more complexity, more things to remember. God forbid I look at the wrong indicator, you know, there's just all kinds of different things. So if I were to do it personally, what I would do is run two indicators, I would very clearly make one prominent. So I would either black out an indicator or I would highlight the other indicator with like some sort of bright paint marker or something like that. Um, so just little things like that to keep in mind. Anytime you're adding more, 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 you already deal with multiple paints, now you have multiple indicators, like just kind of question, is it worth adding more potential complexity and more potential things to get just even mentally mixed up when in the heat of the moment. So, uh, it's cool. It's potential benefit, but I don't think that everybody's going to need it. And as you said, it shouldn't,
1: in my opinion, affect your decision on like a site selection. Yeah. i just mean, like, about that same along those same lines is why I just went back to a fixed pin site. <laughs> it's just I just wanted things simple. And I think I kind of made that decision too. When I was, uh, struggling with target panic a few years back and it was just like, okay, I want, one thing simple and just easy to manage. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's worked great for me. I haven't really missed a beat with it, but at the same time I'm not trying to shoot, you know, 80 to a hundred yards like I used to. So, yeah.
0: One of the questions that came up, um, you know, that we don't have a ton, I don't think to say on this one, but um, especially for guys who just kind of are thinking the same question. This question actually came up a couple times after last week was we didn't touch on sight lights. So um, having a light for your bow sight to add, um, extra visibility. Um, number one, I know for you, Steve, they're illegal in Idaho. So um, there's that. You mostly hunt in Idaho and they're just illegal. Um, I have used them in the past in a whitetail scenario. So whether that's in a ground blind, you just don't have as much ambient light in early and late shooting hours, having a sight light can be helpful there. Um, or even, you know, Again, early late hours hunting from a tree stand in heavier cover when you just don't have as much uh, ambient light, they can be helpful. That said, for me, um, and this can vary. Number one, based on the site you're using. Number two, even your you your visibility. But once I moved from like a budget site to um, like for me, it was a black gold. It was like the first really nice site that I bought. Um, and this is eight. 10 years ago. I don't know. This is when we met Steve. <laughs> I bought a black gold sight from you. Um, when I moved to that and to me that has had m- much brighter, clearer pins, I just don't personally have the need um, for that. Maybe in a couple scenarios, like a couple scenarios, if I'm still like hunting in a ground blind with my kids, maybe. Um, but a sight light, number one, make sure it's legal where you want to hunt. Number two, for most, I would say Western, more open country, with a good sight, um, you probably won't need it. Again, variable is you and your vision. I would play with, um, if you haven't yet, if you struggle to see your sight pins, I would play with size of sight pins and even color um, of sight pins. And then after all the above, like if you really want a sight light, then go for it. But again, it's something else that is on your site it's something else that needs a battery it's something else that could break so I just wouldn't rely on it as a first step um, you can consider it but there's also other things you can do like I said with pen size pen color and things like that um, yeah anything to add on sight lights, Steve
1: no not really yeah that's you can sum that up there they're illegal in Idaho so I've never really been able to think twice about them yeah
0: all right this is a fun one Steve. we've I don't we've probably touched on this maybe I don't know if we've touched on this ever we'll see So the question came through and said, uh, let me just read it. He says, how does a soft shell jacket fit into your layering system? The light base layer plus fleece mid layer plus a puffy jacket is frequently talked about and has worked really well for me in most applications. But the majority of hunting apparel companies offer at least one version of a soft soft shell jacket. So why are they there? like why does every company make one but so few backcountry hunters talk about them or seem to use them in their layering system what are the pros and cons and where would they fit in your layering system this is a fun one Steve. i don't know that we've ever talked about soft shells
1: i've never like yeah since i've been backpacking for you know 15 years now i've never used one Uh, like they're um just simply a warmth to weight ratio, right? They just have a they fit in this awkward place of, they're not near as warm as a puffy jacket, uh, they're not waterproof like a rain jacket. Some of them can be fairly water resistant, um, and they're just heavy in general. So they just don't have a good place. So to me, at the the system of base layer, mid layer, some type of insulation, puffy jacket. Um and then rain jacket when needed just covers everything. And that um soft shell just has a weird spot out there, like in between your mid layer and a puffy jacket. Um it's you know, that just doesn't quite make sense. Yeah.
0: It's um <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand, Stephen. A lot of what you said is what I would say. It's like it's not as warm as a puffy, it's not as water or wind resistant as like a true hard shell it's heavier than like a mid layer. Like it does a little bit of everything. It just doesn't do one thing very well. Um, And even though the piece itself, like you can take a soft shell and say, well, it's super versatile because it's like water resistant, somewhat warm, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, it does a little bit of everything. It just doesn't have a strength, right? And if you think about versatility, that may sound like a very versatile piece in and of itself, but what you lose is, true versatility meaning remember we're talking about a layering system right so your versatility should come from the system and how you pair that together not from trying to find one piece that does everything but doesn't do it well um i i i think the soft shell is like the minivan of clothing um (laughs) like you could put lumber in a minivan but it's not a truck right and a minivan can get decent mileage but it's not a sedan and you know it can haul a fair amount of people but you know it's it's like it does a little bit of everything and it's kind of practical but it doesn't do anything really well you know yeah
1: yeah um, it just doesn't there's nothing it can replace like if i'm like basically it's like okay is it going to replace my puffy jacket or replace my mid layer right and it's it's not going to replace either one of those like i can't take away my puffy jacket cuz you need that thing when it's 25 degrees in the morning uh, and, and you're going to sit there and glass for deer or elk or whatever. Uh, and it's way too warm to replace a mid layer. Uh, so it just has this awkward spot in there that um, I think, you know, quite a few years ago, first light came out with one and I got it. And uh, I think it's been worn. It's still hanging in my closet. I've used it like two or three times, like on fishing trips where it just like, uh, it just doesn't have a place in it. You know, I think on and that's from a backpacking perspective. If I was just going yes, hunting, you know, having, uh, you know, we're hunting out of a base camp during rifle season or whatever. Yeah. I think you could throw that in the pack because it's like, okay, it's, you know, you know, the temperature range, Maybe there's a little moisture in the air where it'd be nice to have that and you don't need a puffy jacket. Um, not that it can't be used just from a, for me, backpacking perspective that uh, just doesn't fit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I, I wanted to, we talked about how we didn't typically use it. And again, that is very much coming from a backpacking perspective for the most part. But I want to talk about the strengths of it potentially, just to give a, you know, play devil's advocate to ourselves. One of the things most soft shells are great at is just being really quiet, right? So if you want some level of warmth and some level of moisture resistance and something quiet, then that's a great choice. So take, for example, you know, you could say like, what about a grid fleece mid layer? It's quiet and warm ish. A soft shell is going to be quiet and warm ish, but it's also going to provide more moisture resistance than just a mid layer. Right. Um, same thing for like a shell, like if you have some moisture, but not a ton where you need a hard shell or a true rain shell, So it's wet, but it's not a downpour. Maybe it's snow. So you want some moisture resistance, but you also want to stay quiet because you're, you know, you're moving, you're stalking, what have you. Okay, soft shell makes sense, like in those things. So to me, it's like, you could, I don't know, you could have um, our caribou hunt, right? You're flying in, yes, you have a weight limit, but maybe you can fit it in there. And then you're day hunting and you have a potential of it being cool and somewhat wet yeah, like there's, you know, you're day hunting out of a camp and it could be great in certain scenarios. So again, it comes back to, from our perspective, we're kind of starting from this base point of packability, warmth to weight ratio, and it just doesn't make sense to put it in our pack for a backpack hunt when all these other pieces do certain jobs much better, if that makes sense, right? So yeah, to me, the the main thing is Quietness. Like if you want quietness and a little bit of something else, it has its place. But overall, it's just not not ideal, right? Alright. What another question that came through. <laughs> this came through multiple times, and for a while I've debated on like not debated, I've just kind of been avoiding it because it's been such a mess, but it's come up even recently, again and again, is Several, several other questions. I'll read a couple back and forth. I would enjoy hearing you talk about your secret sauce for a <laughs> secret source, not secret sauce. Although you can put it that way, your secret source for finding primers and reloading components. That was one guy. Another guy said, how do you find and allocate ammo or reloading supplies with store stocks being so low or completely empty? And there's just multiple, multiple questions on the reloading front. Obviously we've talked about reloading in the past, you know, year or two and in, in different contexts, both on the podcast. And then I've put out some articles and things like that on Nexo. So obviously every, everything's been insane. Um, reloading ammunition wise, everyone knows that. I'll just kind of quickly touch on a few things, um, to put out there. Cause I think that there isn't a secret. There's no one like secret source of anything. Um, but there's just a few different things to consider to keep in mind. One of the, the best thing that best and worst, uh, depending who ask, multiple opinions out there, but there is um, it's called discord. It's an app that I think was used by gamers or something originally. I don't know. Kids younger than me use discord for something. And it's uh, there's, So on Discord, Discord's the app, it's the platform, and then there's like these different threads or different topics, um, if I want to date myself, (laughs) almost like different chat rooms. Um, But there's one specifically for reloading. And basically what happens on Discord is you sign up, you subscribe to get notifications from the reloading thread, I will call it. Um, And there's both people who post when things become available, as well as automated like bots that find things that come in stock online and post it to Discord. Um I haven't been on there in weeks and weeks and weeks, but I was on there for a bit, and it definitely was the best place to get notified when things come in stock. Even before, like if you go to just directly to a website and you find a product you want and it's out of stock and you sign up and say, Hey, notify me when this is in stock, discord would send notifications well before that site would. Um, and so it was great. You could subscribe to certain things. Like you could subscribe to get notified when powder was in stock or when primers were in stock or what have you, you still had to act stupid fast, like crazy fast in most instances. So especially on something like primers, If you get a notification from discord that primers are in stock, there's literally hundreds of people within two to three seconds trying to order those. It would crash sites. Things would go out of like, come in stock and go out of stock in seconds. It was ridiculous. But if you happen to like catch it at the right time and get in there, it was definitely possible um, to get in there and get things. So again, for this reloading discord, it covers reloading, yes, but there's different subscriptions. You can subscribe to get ammo notifications. I think they even have firearm notifications, maybe. Um, Anything gun related that's been hard to find, there's pretty much notifications for in the reloading discord. I won't, uh, I'll share a link in the show description to it. Um, I had to figure out how to use it. I had no idea how to use it, and it takes a little bit of work. But there's good threads on there, especially on forums. Um, there's a thread on rock slide, There's a thread on, um, what's another one? I think long-range hunting, maybe, um, that shows basically how to get set up. So that's vague. A lot of guys know about it, but if you don't know about it and you're looking, consider checking it out. You still have to be incredibly fast to get stuff. Speaking of forums, though, um, there i've seen pop up and even a buddy of mine has been has had great luck on forums Um, guys shipping what you can so you can't ship powder you can't ship primers you can ship loaded ammunition you can ship bullets themselves like projectiles you can ship brass and other components Um, so even on forums look at stuff it's been i think good to see that yes there's like scalpers out there trying to i don't want to say take advantage people some certainly are Um, but there's a lot of shooters who are just willing to help shooters. And so forums, whether that's local to you or on things you can ship have been good. Um, and then I would just say work with like, reach out to local shops and yeah, like your bigger box stores, like a sportsman's warehouse or something like that. They may not do anything special to help you. Um, but we have basically an independent reloading store in my area and they've been great about, you know, you can kind of get notified or see what's coming in stock or, um, you can call them and they will, it, with limitations, hold stuff for you. Like, hey, I can be up there you know, this afternoon. I heard you guys have this. Would you mind holding it? Yeah, we'll put it in back for you. So I would say, especially smaller local stuff, don't be afraid to reach out and at least see what you can do there. Um, another thing that has been good, I don't know if this is... I think it's everywhere in the country but maybe more or less popular in certain areas but there's a site called arms list which is just like essentially craigslist but for gun related stuff Um, so again firearms ammunition reloading components etc arms list it's all you're working local with people face to face Um, and at least in our area there's been like good traction there guys willing to sell stuff they don't need or trade stuff things like that Um, and then just final is like there's shooting clubs, anything like that, just kind of networking almost if you're truly looking for something, um, kind of make that need known as you can. And a lot of times you'll, you know, it takes patience, but you can find it. So long story short, it's a, it's kind of a crazy market, whether you're looking to reload, find ammunition, anything, but there's definitely ways with some patience and a little bit of work where you can do it. Um, it's just kind of a crazy situation. The most important thing you can do is not Get stuck where you truly need stuff again. I think, you know, this has obviously happened before in the market where ammunition is hard to find or reloading components are hard to find, and it will come back. Maybe not at the same prices um, things were, you know, two years ago, for example. But availability will come back at some point. And obviously, you don't got to be like a end of the world prepper hoarder, but. You know, it's just worth making sure that you can have what you need to write out a dry time, if you will. If you're the guy who shoots a lot, so um, yeah, I've had good luck with all the above, getting what I need, and um, yeah, it's a, it's just a weird world. I was actually fielding questions from a guy who was talking about a new rifle build and was asking me a question about uh, one of the rifles I built, and he was he was talking to me about two different cartridges he was considering, and I forget what they were offhand, but he was like, you know, what are your thoughts on doing this one versus that one? And I flat out told him, I was like, in this day and age, like I wouldn't build a rifle in any cartridge unless you source the components for it first, especially if it's not something incredibly common, right? So, um, you know, I did a seven Psalm, for example, I wouldn't dare think about building a seven Psalm unless I already had brass for it. Um, Cause you may go like eight months and not find a piece of brass for sale or something like that. So it's just a weird, weird freaking time. So Steve, you're doing a Creedmoor
1: build, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing the latest um, on that, man. Uh, it's just in process. So we're um, yeah. I wanted to do basically just kind of a, a super light Creedmoor. I have, I have a really nice Creedmoor built, but it's an eight pound, you know, bear gun rifle. Uh, and I wanted to relook at that and, and just, yes, yeah, so we're having like a super light. Uh, it's called, uh, the company's called Divide Gun Company out of, out of Salmon, Idaho. Um, mm-hmm. And that's uh, just in process right now. So action showed up and uh, barrel showed up. And I think they're just waiting on the stock. And I think, I think that's it. Just the stock um, and get it built up. So hopefully get it early summer and get it dialed in and then, and uh, kill a few animals this fall with it. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. And it I'm doing a super short, like Basically, it's like my mountain rifle like 18-inch barrel. Um, just super short barrel. That way I can or um have the option to run my suppressor on the end of it for, you know, and still be like a normal length. Um uh yeah, I'm excited to get that thing.
0: Yeah, that'll be cool. Is that uh you're
1: going to take that on a sheep hunt? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's like the main goal is building it for that one. So, I can yeah, That'll be cool.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, there's plenty more stuff we will hit. I don't want to make this one too long. It is supposed to be a Monday minute after all, and we're already at half hour. But um, yeah, keep the questions coming, guys. We got some great stuff, as I said, feedback already this month. So a lot of topics I'm excited to dive into. Um, But yeah, keep it coming. Let us know what you want to hear on hunting side gear stuff, whatever. We're happy to kind of cover it again, either in a Monday minute quickly or um, some great ideas on recently on full length episodes. And honestly, we got some super cool episodes coming out um, that we've been recording in the last few weeks I'm excited about. So, again, just appreciate all the support, guys. Um, As always, you can just send us that email to podcast at dexomountaingear.com if you want to get in touch with us. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, and we'll talk to you soon.